Didn't they do a fabulous job? Didn't they do an amazing job? Yes, they did. We have such a, we are so blessed. We have so, so many talented people here in this church, and thank you for blessing all of us. I have a question before I go any further. How many of you are McPhersons? Because I feel like there's a lot of them here today. I just have that feeling. So, uh, welcome. Welcome to Gretna. I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. We're really glad to have you worship with us in this, this season, uh, the season of Advent, the season of anticipation. Um, how many of you are married? Okay, that's a good number. How many of you remember your wedding day? Not much of it. That's a fair answer. That's a great. It moves fast, right? It's flying by. You don't remember anything. That's fine. So, fair enough. Yes, remember your wedding day? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know about you, but the, the day that Heather and I got married, we've been married um, 21 years now, which I know that's a drop in the bucket compared to some of these people. Do not applaud. We've got a long way to go. So, we've been married for 21 years, but I remember the getting ready for the wedding day you know, we, we half catered our own reception. We kind of tried to keep the cost way down. So we were busy. We were running around. I don't remember half the day either. So I gotcha. So we were running around like crazy, and we anticip- I anticipated the wedding. I was ready to get married, and so was Heather. Heather will tell you that, bluntly, she was more nervous about buying our first house than about getting married because she was sure of it. So we were excited. We were ready. We wanted to get married. But when the day came... My best man, and I don't know if this falls under the definition of best man or not, because we're standing up front at the front of the church, and I'm waiting, and the whole crowd is there, and we're waiting for, for the bride to come in, and he leans over and he goes, hey, if you want to leave, we can still do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, no, not an option. A little late for that. And I had no desire. Wasn't that funny that he would do that? I was like, dude, really? So anyways, he's still one of my best friends. I love him to death. But then when, when the actual music started, when it actually happened, this event that we'd been anticipating and preparing for and getting ready for and wanting to have and excited about and ready and loving, loving each other and knowing this was it, when the moment happened and the music started... I thought I was going to pass out. And, 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 and I hadn't felt that way all morning. Maybe it's because I was too busy, right? Maybe it's because I was just moving really fast and had too much to do, kept my mind off of it. Maybe, maybe just in that moment, it was finally settling in. And, and the music starts, and I'm standing up there, and then my best man was my best man because I was leaning on him. <laughs> And, and Heather comes down the aisle, and that's, you know, those are memories you never forget, right? Those are memories you just never forget. And, and she's coming down the aisle, and she walks up on the stage, and she looks at me, and I turn and look at her, and she must have could tell that I was going She said I was so pale. She'd never seen me so pale in my life. So she, she st- from under her veil, she stuck her tongue out at me. <laughs> now, I could see that. But could anybody else see that? No. no. So uh, to this day, I have people go, she, she would never do that. Have you met my wife? She would totally do that. And she did it to break the tension, right? She did it to get me to calm down for a minute and laugh and giggle a little just so I wouldn't be so nervous. But I think, you know, have you ever felt like, like you were excited about an event, you're ready for it to happen, you want it to happen, and then it hits and you're like, what do, what do I do now, right? It's, it's really happening. It's really, go- I mean, have you ever had a dream like that? Maybe, maybe you wanted to get into your first college and you, and you were trying really hard to get into that college you really wanted to go to and you got the letter that said you're in and then you go, now how am I going to pay for this, right? You all of a sudden go, what am I going to do with that? Have you ever had that? Have you ever wanted something so bad that you just were anticipating it and expecting it and excited about it, and then once it happened, you didn't know what to do with it? Has that never happened to you? Is that just me? Yeah? What, what kind of things? What, what has happened to you that you've gone, oh? Huh? You were excited about having a baby, and then what? Right? 
We were too. And then I was like, what am I going to do with that thing? Right. I got you. I totally got you. Okay. So having a baby. I'm with you. Yep. Anything else? Yes. Becoming an online influencer and realizing 50,000 people are watching. Yes, there are 50,000 people that watch Gregory on a weekly basis. And I'm like, uh I know that's mind boggling to most of us. I'm kidding. I love him to death. So, yes. First day of school as a teacher, you're anticipated, you're ready for it, and then the kids are sitting in front of you, you're like, oh, goodness. <laughs> this has really started. It's really going to happen, huh? I remember doing that as a kid, being really excited for the first day of school, and then it's like, even when you've been there, even if it's Right, right. Just that first day, and your, your eyes are wide, and you don't know what to do with it, right? Except what? The first lunch. The first Okay, who you're going to sit by. Those are major life choices. Absolutely are. Absolutely are. Oh, yeah, first day of a new job, right? You're ready to get started, you're ready to get going, then the moment happens and you're like, oh, I'm lost, right? I'm lost. Did I wear the right things? Am I, am I, right? Yes. We've been married 57 years, December 31st. Oh, wow, okay. Have you ever had anybody tell you he took you for a tax deduction? No. <laughs> You got married for a tax? That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, you know, my wife tells a story of um, the OB for our first child, for Rachel. She tells a story. Her OB would tell a story of how he kept getting this phone call one night from a guy, from a girl, going, I'm pregnant, or I'm, I'm getting ready to deliver. I'm in labor. I, I have to be in labor. I'm in labor right now. This is like Christmas Eve. And... He's like, I don't want to go over there on Christmas Eve, but okay. So they go to the hospital, and the hospital says, you're not in labor. Go home. Calls two days later and says, I'm, I'm in labor. I'm in labor. He's like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, they're like five minutes apart. I know it. I know it. I know it. He gets to the hospital, not in labor. She calls him on New Year's Eve and says, hey, I'm in labor. And he says, I don't want to do this again. And she goes, you don't understand. My husband wants the tax deduction. You don't understand. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry. No honeymoon. Stay with grandma and grandpa. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Find a minister. Yes, on New Year's Dad, Eve. Did you plan it that fast? So you really to get the tax deduction for seventeen dollars? Oh, I think you won. I think <laughs> I think she's paid off way better than seventeen dollars. Just saying. All right. So I, I bring up all this idea of anticipating a moment or something that you just, when you finally reach it and get to it, you almost are in shock that it happened or in shock that it came true or what to do with it because I really believe that's exactly how people felt when Jesus showed up. The people of God were anticipating for thousands of years that he was going to show up, the Messiah, the Savior, Right? that he was going to be there for them, that he was, he was the, the subject of hundreds of prophecies. He was the, the subject of all of their hopes and all of their dreams and everything they anticipated, this restoration of the kingdom of God, the, the, the rightful placement of his holy people. And, and, and then it happens. A baby shows up in, a, number one, a very unexpected way, right? My guess would be they expected a king, they expected a powerful king with a big army and the holy anointing of God, and he shows up as a baby, which incidentally, did you see the baby cookies out in the lobby? Aren't they adorable? That was Kim Hartzler's idea. It was, it was, it was. It was super awesome. Um, I feel that way about cookies every Saturday because my wife spends all day baking out of fun. She loves to do it. I keep telling her not to, but um, she won't let me eat any of it. I'm just sitting here waiting. To go. Is, it gonna be, is it done yet? Did you make a mistake? Because if you made a mistake, <laughs> quality control, I've tried that one. It doesn't work. Anyways, Me too, I tried it. the point would be the people of God were waiting. They were waiting for this moment, and then it happened. And some of them didn't know what to do with it. In fact, most didn't know what to do with it. The Pharisees complained, right? They said, this is not the person we asked for. What do you mean you're from God? God's a rules kind of guy. God's going to show up and smite everybody who's not following all of our rules. And Jesus didn't do that, right? The Messiah is going to show up and kill off, honestly, everybody who's an enemy to us. And Jesus didn't do that. 
And so all of their anticipation, all of their waiting for this moment when, when God himself was going to show up and deliver them, it happened, it just didn't happen in the way that they expected, and they had no idea what to do with it. No idea what to do with it. You see, the, the, him coming that way, oh, it was, we talked about it. We talked about the idea earlier that, that God's script for, for how the Messiah was going to come and how he was going to conquer evil and how he's going to, to provide eternal life for all who follow him, how he's going to make that happen, that transcends any story that we would have written. It's unlikely we would have done it that way. It's unlikely I would have sent, me personally, that I would have sent a Messiah as a baby, an innocent, indefensible, incapable of defending itself baby and distrusted human nature to, do, to raise him and care for him and allow him to become the prophet and the savior he's intended to be. I can promise you I, I definitely would not have had the Messiah hung on a cross. And yet, that is what God did. That script, that, that concept of, of how God works and how God is going to save us and how God makes amazing things happen, truthfully, is beyond my understanding. And my guess is it's beyond most of ours in this room most of the time. If you get a glimpse of God moving in your life where, where you suddenly go, I totally get what you're doing. Those are glimpses. The rest of the time, he's moving way above our pay grade. And sometimes when he shows up in ways we don't expect, even if we're begging for him to show up, we don't know what to do with it when he does. Because maybe he calls them, calls us to something different than we thought. Or maybe, maybe we're just lost in the moment of it's really here and it's really happening and God is really delivering me and God is really, what do I do with that? Jesus makes some astonishing claims as to who he is. He wants, to, wants it to be very clear that, that there, there is something very special about his coming, whether it's anticipated or not, whether it's, it's expected or not. The idea that he showed up the way he did makes incredible claims about who the person of Jesus Christ is and the power he has, and the change he's intended to make. And that's what I want to focus on. The Messiah was always intended to be somebody who was going to change everything, right? The people of God, that's a consistent. We could argue about how they thought they were going to get it, and how it was going to happen, or what it was going to look like, or who was going to be blessed, or who was not going to be. But bar none, everyone expected the Messiah to change everything. And if you're sitting here in this room and you have not yet figured out that the Messiah changes everything, I'm hoping that the Word of God will help convince you otherwise right here, right now, today. If you have committed and you know that he's changed everything, I'm hoping that you will allow the Word of God to convict you to live into that changed life, to be the person that God has given everything for you to be. And it's the Scripture, I hope, that will help us do that. So... Our title for today's sermon is The Miraculous Manger. We talked about the miraculous moment in the first week of Advent that God picked just the right time. We talked about the miraculous message of the gospel, the goodness of the gospel. And then we talked about the method, how that transcends all of us. Today it's about the manger. It's about this tiny little unexpected manger. And the manger is an interesting term. If you look out in our lobby, you'll see this like little wooden shack with a bunch of figurines in it, right? And you think, okay, that's a manger. It could be. It's unlikely. Chances are that Jesus was born in a cave. Chances are very high. Can I say for sure? No, I wasn't there. Were you there? Okay, just checking. I was, I was going to be really impressed. I was not there. But most of the time, people kept their animals in caves because caves were sheltered. Caves stayed a cool temperature no matter what the heat was doing in the desert, right? And so they kept their animals often in caves or in little carve-outs in the rocks. It's highly likely that our Savior was born. That manger, that stall for animals was likely a cave. Could it have been the shack? Sure. Could have been. 
Either way, it wasn't glorious, was it? It was not a castle. (laughs) So let's read about this. It says in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, it says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Were more incredible words ever stated. Jesus' birth changes everything. And the first thing we need to learn is that it, it changes, renews creation itself. It renews creation itself. If we look at Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness and covered the surface of the watery depths and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was covering the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This phrasing that Matthew uses and that Mark uses, when, or John uses when he starts John chapter 1, and he speaks of this, this, this spirit descending upon the waters. I want you to understand this, this idea. When God made creation, he, he was essentially bringing order to chaos. What we see in Genesis is this picture, and it says, of darkness and chaos and, and waters, the waters of the deep. At mental note, every time you see that in Scripture, if you see waters of the deep, that's probably chaos, right? Because if you're looking into a deep, deep lake, what do you see? You don't know what's down there. I don't know about you, but, you know, I don't like swimming in deep lakes because there might be an alligator in it in Minnesota. Why? Because it would happen to me, I'm telling you, because, because my, my, my imagination runs away with me. When we see the unknown, this idea of waters of the deep, of darkness, God is hovering over chaos. He's co- hovering over just a mess of no order, no purpose, no meaning, no nothing. And God says with his word, the spirit of God hovers over it, sees it and says, you know what, let there be light in the darkness. Let there be order in the chaos. Let there be purpose in the meaningless. And with the birth of his son, he, does, he tries and does renews creation itself. He reestablishes that. He says, in the midst of this chaos of life, because I don't know about you, but can life be chaotic? It can be a little crazy. He says, in the midst of all of this chaos, I will be your light. I will help you emerge from the darkness. I will recreate you, and I will recreate and give creation itself another chance. I remember one time I was driving a bunch of kids to winter camp, not Bethany, but up in Minnesota, and we were traveling to northern Minnesota in January, and that was just life. You got used to it. They do better with the roads than they do in Ohio, just for the record, by a long shot, but we were in the middle of literally nowhere, no phone signal for 45 minutes, right? You had to drive 45 minutes to get a phone signal. That's where this camp is. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place if you're trying to escape. So I'm driving, I have a van full of 15 kids, we're in the back of this van, I've been there once, it's 11 o'clock at night, and the guy sitting next to me, who's a 20-year-old, says, I know a shortcut. (laughs) So, So I took the shortcut, because honestly, I was desperate. 
I was desperate to get there. I was a nervous wreck with 15 kids in the back of the van, right? I was a nervous wreck because the van, was, van is sliding all over the place. It's a 20 mile an hour. We're driving 20 miles an hour. It should be a four-hour trip already, and now we're on hour seven, right? One could ask whether or not I should have even tried, right? But you had 15 kids going, come on, you can do it. We can make it. We got to go. You can't miss camp. Kids can't miss camp, right? You know how they feel. So we're driving. I'm like, all right, I'm taking the shortcut. And can I just tell you, I don't know if it was a shortcut or not. What I do know is that it was a travel into oblivion and back. I had no idea. He took us off this side road that I don't think had been plowed since Methuselah was a baby. And, and we, are, we are driving through these trees, this one-lane road, and he's like, any minute now, you're going to pop out on the main road again. Any minute now, you're going to pop out on the main road again. Any minute, I was like, shut up. That was an hour ago. You said any minute now, I was going to pop out on the main road again. Eventually, we did. We popped out on the main road, and we went around a few corners, and I could see off in the distance this big triangular sign that said Flaming Pine Youth Camp. And, and, a, and a spotlight right above it because lights were rare out there. If you get outside the Twin Cities in Minnesota, there's not much people-wise. There's lots, just not people. And so you come around this corner and I see the sign and I see this big spotlight. And I got to tell you, I don't know that I've ever been happier <laughs> with all of these kids in the back, the weight that just dropped off my shoulders that, oh my goodness, we're almost there. In fact, I was so excited that I missed the turn and put the van in a ditch. <laughs> it happens. I should say, though, I got it all, I, we got it all back out. I didn't have to call anybody. I didn't have to walk. To, we got it out. So we got it to camp. But I got to tell you, sometimes it can feel like we are wandering around in the darkness We've tried to take a shortcut to get where we need to go or we're trying to, this journey that should be a certain amount of time in our life or this certain amount of effort in our life is harder than we think it should be. And we can find ourselves lost. Whether that be um, a, a journey to recover from an addiction, that's a journey. That is a long, arduous, difficult journey. And you can absolutely feel like you're in, a dark, in the darkness, you can look for shortcuts and find yourself lost again. You can, you can uh, think you're almost there only to find out you've got hours to go. For those of us who have battled that, I, I don't have to tell you that, you know it, but I can encourage you that Jesus has said the light is there. I will be the light in your darkness. And he's not wavering. That light bulb in front of Camp Flaming Pine doesn't move. It's stationary. And it's, it was waiting for us to be in that light, and he is waiting for you to get to him. If you're wandering in the darkness of a relationship, or you're wandering in the darkness of sadness, or you're wandering in the darkness of loss, he is the light waiting to bring order and love to your chaos, to your darkness. And he desires to see all of creation renewed that way. Don't take your eyes off that light. Because he, his, his birth, the coming of his birth, changes lives. It says in our scripture that Joseph, Joseph was a righteous man. And so what he chose to do as a righteous man was to not publicly ostracize and probably have Mary stoned for cheating on him. Instead, he decides to divorce her secretly. And I don't, I don't know that any of us, if we found out on our wedding night that our wife was already pregnant with somebody else's child, would say, this might have been a bad choice, right? <laughs> this might have been a bad choice. Or I would have questioned some things and gone, maybe I should rethink this whole project, right? And I don't think, I don't think any of us would call us a bad person for thinking that. They might say, well, you could, you could do better. You could stay with her. 
but I don't think anybody, was, anybody would call us bad. And that's, that's the point here is Joseph is a good man. He's a good man. And that's a good starting point. But then God comes to Joseph and says, you know what? I'm not just asking you to be a good man. I'm asking you to be my man, a man of God. I'm asking you to do something that not every good man would do, right? Because again, as a righteous man, it's okay to say, I don't think we need to get married or I need to divorce you or it's okay. God says, I'm not asking you to just be a good man. I'm asking you to be a godly man. And so he comes to him in a dream. And he says something really key here. He says, don't be afraid to marry her. Why would he say don't be afraid? Well, yeah, because he was. He was. But what would he have been afraid of? I like the mic drop. Public opinion? He was afraid of what people were going to think? Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Commitment. I'd say he was definitely afraid. If his wife is already pregnant before you get married, that's probably a sign of a commitment issue, right? That may very well be the sign of a commitment issue if it's somebody else's child. Now, I I will tell you openly and honestly, Heather and I did not do it in the right order. Um, we, We found out we were pregnant the night before, the night after we got engaged, I would not suggest that you take that path. I would suggest that there is a much better path. So I don't want to stand up here and sound like a hypocrite and say, we, I'm perfect. Why are they not? None of us here are perfect. Okay? And I, if I could do it in a different order, I would. Do I teach we should do it in a different order? Yes. Would I change the blessing my daughter has been on our life? Not in a hot second. I wouldn't change anything. But he comes to him and says, look, I know you're afraid, Joseph. I know you're afraid of what people are going to think. I know you're afraid that maybe she's not really committed to you. I know that. But I'm here to tell you, Joseph, that this is from me. This is a gift from me. And I need you to raise my son. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God coming to you and saying, I need you to raise my son? Pressure? Pressure much? Yeah? I'm thinking every, I'm such a worrier, every step I made, or every word I said, I'd be going, is he going to smite me? Because this could be bad. I really would, because that's just how I roll. I have issues. I know that. I'm in therapy. It's okay. So, But I can't imagine taking on that responsibility. Joseph was a carpenter. (laughs) He was not the kind of person that you would have tagged as taking on the responsibility of raising the child of God, of raising God himself. And yet the Lord says, I need you to raise my son. How often... Does God call us to something and we think, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. Can I just tell you, we ain't got nothing on Joseph who's been asked to do something I think most of us would logically run from. So his intent, God's intent with the, the birth of Jesus, especially Jesus coming the way he did, was to begin the process of changing the lives of everybody he touched from the get-go. He changed Mary's life. He changed Joseph's life. He changed the lives of everybody and anybody they touched. He called them constantly to do things that they were not used to doing. I promise you, none of them thought they were going to move to Egypt. Right? That was not in the plan. And yet, he did that because God called him to. Make no mistake, God has called you to have your life changed, but, but the upside of it is, is what comes on the other side of it. He's, he's offering you something you cannot get outside of that change. 
He's offering you an eternity you cannot have without him. He's offering you joy. Where's the word? Joy. Joy. He's offering you joy because joy comes from him. It doesn't come from doing the right thing to make yourself happy. It doesn't come from just living the dream, quote unquote. Joy comes from him. And when he, when he sent his son, he sent him in such a way that people would have to stand and watch him grow and watch him change and watch him live as human beings all have to live and survive this life and watch him become and be the person that he has asked him to be, to watch him be the living God walking among us and be an example for all of us to follow. Growing and changing was part of Jesus' life. It is also part of ours. And when it's all said and done, the Lord is sitting at the right hand of God saying, I've built a house for you with many rooms and I would love for you to come too. It's a journey. The birth of Jesus also changes the course of human history. It says in verse 21, she gave birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes living um, in, the, in the high elevations of, of Bell Fountain, Ohio, I tell people that all the time. I live in the highest point in Ohio. We're in the mountains. In fact, we were driving yesterday, we drove into Columbus, and Heather's like, there's no snow on the ground. I'm like, because we came out of the mountains. And she constantly goes, just stop. I'm like, it's hilarious. So anyways, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed the fog? I have no, I've never lived in a place that was so foggy. I mean, I'll walk out my front door. Oh, my goodness. I'll walk out my front door some days, and I cannot see to the church from my house. God, in sending his son and changing the course of human history, cut through that fog that keeps us separated from being able to see him. That, that, that bridge that's out that could not be crossed, guess who rebuilt it? That that fog that's in your way that you can't see through. Guess who moved it out of the way? That, that darkness that is impenetrable. I woke up last night to find my cat sitting on my chest. Huh? Yes. Yeah. So he finds sitting on my chest and he's kneading my stomach. And I open my eyes and I go, What are you doing? And I can, I, all I could see was the shadow. But you know he could see every nuance of who I was. Don't ask me how long he ended up on my chest because it wasn't very long. Oh, I didn't throw him across the room. I just gently said, you don't need to be here. This is weird. It's weird. So... Heather's like, oh, it's just because he loves you. I'm like, I don't want to be loved like that. It's creepy. I feel like he's trying to steal my soul. So, I do. But the cat, the, the, the point of the story is not just to make you laugh, although that, that, that's helpful. Um, the point of the story is the cat... The cat can see in the dark where I cannot. And so, real quick this morning, I looked it up on, on uh, Google. I was like, why does, why does my freaky cat sit on my chest? And they're like, because it's mapping you. I don't know how I feel about that either. <laughs> but it's, it's mapping you. It, it is... It is Learning every subtle nuance of your face, your outline, the way you smell, the way you act, okay? It wants to know you in every detail, okay? You with me? It is trying to do what, what God has already done. God knows you in every detail detail 
He knows every ounce of who you are. He knows your heart. He knows your soul. Luckily, he doesn't sit on your chest. He knows who you are. He's already mapped you out. Jesus coming the way he did and rebuilding that bridge made it possible for us to map him just a little. Because he is indescribable, right? If you can't, if, if, if God doesn't show up as a human being and he's tangible and right in front of us, and we get, to, we get to see and hear his stories and know what he said and, and know what he did and, and recognize them. We, we, it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around who our God is. So God sent his son to do that. So we'd have some idea of who he is. In fact, the book of Hebrews says he's the perfect reflection of the Lord himself. So God changed all of creation by bringing Jesus here. God changes lives by by bringing Jesus here. And God changes the very course of human history by giving us an opportunity to be able to see who he is. It allows us a glimpse of our Lord, our God. Verses 22 and 23 of our scripture today says, "Now, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. There is no other way for us to see in this broken and fallen world the purity and the perfection that is God other than through Jesus Christ himself. He came for that reason. He came honestly because none of us believe what we can't see. We have to see it. We'd love to think we're not doubting Thomases that have to touch the risen Savior in order to believe that he is returned. But guess what? Most of the time, if we can't see it, touch it, feel it, right? Read about it, understand it, map it. If we can't, we have a lot of difficulty trusting it. We have a lot of difficulty believing it. I asked some of the teenagers this morning, I said, if somebody walks up to you and they said, who is, who is this Jesus guy you follow, what would you say? And I would pose to you the same question. Who is this Jesus you follow? What would you say? What are your first words? That's not a rhetorical question. Your Savior. That's a big word, right? That's a big word. What else? God incarnate, incredible. What else? The Son of God, yes. Friend, rock, light of your life. I'm sorry? Counselor, beautiful, love that one. Prince of Peace, amen. Comforter. You listen to these words that describe, huh? He is your doctor. He is. He's the doctor of your soul. People ask me medical questions and I go, do I I look like a doctor? I can't help you with your ankle. My job is to direct you towards your soul, (laughs) right? I can. uh, Yeah, absolutely. He's your healer, right? He healed you from cancer twice. He is your healer. He is your healer. He is your counselor. He is your friend. He is your rock. He is your light in the darkness. He is your savior. He is your all in all. That is the Jesus we celebrated for the last month. That is the Jesus that we talk about and that if you do not know him and have not met him yet, you are missing out on the greatest gift God has ever given this earth. You are missing out on him and all that he offers. He can change your life. He can change the way you see the world, you look at the world. He can change the way your heart functions, the way you consider those around you. He can change everything about you. Hallelujah. Right? The question is, do you want him to? Yeah. And will you let him?
Because the birth of Jesus, I don't want to, amen, sister, I don't want to miss this. The birth of Jesus also asks us to make, asks us to answer a question, to make a powerful choice. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, it says this. It said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. Can I just tell you, that is your choice. God will not make it for you. But only you can decide who you're willing to let Jesus be in your life. People waited thousands of years for that Savior to come. Please do not wait another minute. Because that is your choice to make And he is standing here saying, I am ready to welcome you back into my family with open arms because I will be your savior and I will be your rock and I will be your light and I will be your counselor and I will be your healer and I will be all of those things that you need because quite frankly, you do need me, right? This is our God. This is the savior we serve. This is the reason that we celebrate Christmas, why we can have love and joy and hope and peace, and why we go through all the trouble of decorating, and why our families all come together. Yes, it's family and it's important, but you'd make that choice at this time of year. Why not any other time of year? Jesus. 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 Our love, our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen. Amen. I'm done, I think. So Shirley's going to walk up here and she's going to, as we do every Sunday, she's going to play some music as we read off um, some family prayers. Uh, I, before I do that, though, I wanted to say something. Um, some of you know we have started looking for an associate pastor. We've just started that process. Our search team just got together. Um, in January, our search team is committed to 31 days of prayer. 31 days of prayer, and during that time, a week of fasting. And we would love if the congregation would join us in that. Uh, Jesus refers to those two practices, prayer and fasting, as not an if, but a when. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you pray and when you fast, right? Those, those, those things have a powerful way of connecting us with the true source of our strength. When we're reminding ourselves in prayer that he is the one who fills our need, and when we fast, we realize that he is the one who fills our need. It's not food or it's not a thing, or it's not a video game, or it's not whatever else it is we chase and think it will. It reminds us who our God is. And so if you are willing to join us, there are about 50 copies in the back of this, so I'd love for you to grab it. If you have the app, if you boot up your app, you should, be able to, you should get a prompt that says, hey, do you want to join this group? If you do that, you'll get a bump every morning at 8 a.m. You'll get a, a message that just says, this is what we're praying for today with a piece of scripture to remind you, because I don't know about you, I need reminders. Do you need reminders? Every day. We're going to pray for the search team. We're going to spend some time praying for the congregation. We're going to spend some time praying for the next pastor and praying for the congregation that he or she might be leaving because they will need the prayers too, right? So I just wanted to say that real quick. You can grab a copy, you can open it in the app, or you can ask me questions. We would love to have you on that part of the journey with us. We think it's super critical to uh, finding the person God has identified. You ready? Okay. And after I'm done praying, please do not immediately get up and leave because we have a special song, right? Okay. Okay. Barb Culp was asked for prayers for Jerry to continually heal. We're to ask for him to continue to heal. His surgery went o- or his procedure went okay on Thursday. Yes, praise God for that.
Jan Smith has asked for continued prayer for Tim for healing. He recently had a procedure as well on, for, for cancer and, and uh, we're kind of in a holding pattern, waiting to see how those results come back and where to go from there, right? And so we're praying for our healing God to do a healing thing. Susan Bechtel has asked for prayers for her niece. Uh, she has a breast biopsy coming up. And then for all of those who are traveling in this season, Dean and Mary, uh, Dean, Mary, Amy Smith, asked prayers for Amy Smith to continue in her healing. Holly has asked for prayers for the troops and for young Daryl and his cancer always. Uh, Melanie Easton has asked for prayers for her sister Anne uh, from healing from breast cancer. Barb has asked, Barb Culp has asked for prayers of families going through trials. I would like to ask for a prayer for my wife. She found out this week she's got a bone, piece of bone floating around in her ankle um, and a couple of torn ligaments. It looks like surgery. So please pray for her and for healing there. God attacked foots this year at Gretna. A lot of foots and ankles. Right, toilet bolt? Yes. Uh... Keith Reevestall, I want to bring some, some praise on him. Uh, he has been moved to a different wing of OSU Hospital. He was on a breathing tube for a couple of days. They removed it last night. He's recovering well. I will say I was with him on Saturday morning, and he had more energy and more step. And right, Tiffany, he was more of himself than I've seen him be in weeks. So <laughs> praise God for that. Praise God for that. So... Um, on another note, I do want to say this. I got a phone call this morning from Daisy Anderson's family. She passed away last night. So um, if you have opportunity, um, pray for her family. Uh, there will be more details coming. Uh, what a wonderful lady. We were very blessed to get to go sing Christmas carols to her a couple weeks ago at Green Hills. So very blessed to have that opportunity. But thank you for praying for her. Are there any other prayers? Anything else we need to consider? Yes. We need to pray for all these people and as they load in and as have lost their children this Christmas season. Yep. And what they have to be devastated going through. Yeah. And, uh, I would agree. We don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Your son, continued healing for his nerves to grow together? Yes? yes. Want that? On another note, yes, go ahead. Kids during breaks? Yeah, not everybody has enough food or support, and their home lives are rather a mess. School's kind of a break for them, right? It's a safe place. So, a lot of kids. Yes? Hi, Dean and Mary. Well, thank you. Praise God. Yeah. Okay. It's usually a good sign. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Continue prayers for her to learn to walk. Okay. Yes. Praise God. Well, it's nice to meet you, Dean and Mary. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I will say this. I was at a, a, a meeting for the Ben Logan School District. We prayed last week for um, some challenges they're having with uh, WRE and, and a force from the outside trying to shut WRE down. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody. There's plenty of people that know what that is and love it. Um, I will tell you, I was really impressed by the school board by their willingness to stand up and say, uh, we love what the Lord is doing through WRE and we are not gonna let that go away. All right, so, right? Uh, the phrase I heard from most of them was we're ready to dig our heels in and fight. So praise God for that. Keep praying, do not let go of it. Anything else? Yes. Alone. That are without, that are homeless without friends. Yeah. Yeah. They do. 
They do. And if, if you have opportunity to be a light in somebody's life, please do that. Please be a light in their darkness. Yep. Anybody else? Okay. Seth and Ariel haven't been here in a few weeks. Uh, they send their love. They say they promise they will be here next week. Okay. I don't know if you know who they are, but if you do, they are missing us too. So, all right. I have, we have a song, do we not? Come on. We're going we're gonna to let this lovely young lady sing a song with her accompanist. And then uh, we're going to close in prayer. Okay? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a beautiful thing? All right, let us close in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We're thankful for the change that He can bring to our lives, to the world around us. And we pray that we will have the strength to be His people, to walk alongside and to watch as He miraculously does things we can never even comprehend. Lord, in those moments when we have an opportunity to make a difference in his name, let us not stand there and go, oh my goodness, what do I do with this? Let us trust you. Let us trust you to carry us through past our fears as he had to carry Joseph, past our concerns, and to simply trust that it is your Holy Spirit that will guide us. It is your plan that we are to follow. Lord, in this coming week, we are mindful, yes, of, of joy. We are also mindful of those who can't seem to find that joy. We heard your prayers today for people who are alone, who are tired, or who are going through trials right now. Lord, I, I pray for physical healing. I pray for spiritual healing. I pray for your spirit to, to do a mighty work, to come upon them in this season and to change. Change their mourning into dancing. To change their sorrow into joy. Lord, you, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are our savior. You are our healer. You are our counselor, you are our friend, you are our rock and our strength. And for that, we praise you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts more than we could possibly say thank you. I pray that you will help carry those who are without you, help them come to see you and know you and help them to make that choice to say, yes, Lord, you are my savior. Father God, we are thankful for the blessings of every moment we have. And we pray that we will have an opportunity to use them to your glory. Father God, I ask for safe travels for those who are traveling in and out of town. I thank you for worshiping, for letting them worship with us today. We pray that we have been a blessing unto them and that we have glorified you. Take us here safely until we are able to meet again. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Merry Christmas.